This is Johnny Gould's Jewish State. North America, Europe, the Commonwealth, the whole of the Middle East. The world is listening. This is the fourth Gaza conflict since 2008. The fourth since Israel's disengagement and withdrawal from Gaza. A unilateral dismantling by Israel of 21 towns in Gaza, the evacuation of the IDF and Israeli citizens inside Gaza in 2005. But this war has a quite different feel, a more urgent one, and it's felt worldwide. Anti-Semitism brought to Jewish areas of London with convoys of cars draped in the Palestinian flag holding up the traffic, calling for Jewish girls to be raped, raped. Police officers siding with protesters as they confront some who are also attacking them. And football's authorities looking on as Wembley's prestigious FA Cup final sees players show off a Palestinian flag while police contain violence in the West End at the same time. The very same at Manchester United as small crowds are allowed back after the pandemic and hand Paul Pogba, World Cup winner, the same flag to show Premier League's rights holders around the world, all egged on by blue-tick slebs who make it seem legitimate, respectable, moral. No, 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 no room for racism indeed. Disturbances are happening inside Israeli cities, clashes between Jews and Arabs, disturbances and demonstrations, the shock of seeing a synagogue burnt down by rioters in Lod, not Lodge, is a new challenge to the IDF, Shabak or Shin Bet, and of course, the Israel police. Gaza's indiscriminate rockets designed to destroy Israel and its Jews is also actually killing Muslim Arabs, a Hindu carer for the elderly, and rural agricultural workers from Thailand. You'll hear how the IDF, police, border police and Shabak are coordinating in real time like never before. Israel is bracing itself for a ceasefire before the stash of Hamas and Islamic Jihad's rockets and mortars is spent. Stay tuned to hear how many the IDF believe they have. This is the highest pace of rockets Israel citizens have ever faced. And yet 90% of the murderous missiles are shot out of the sky by Iron Dome. This is a Ministry of Foreign Affairs news conference featuring IDF spokesperson Lieutenant Colonel Jonathan Conricus and police spokesman Mickey Rosenfeld and UK and US media, including Johnny Gould's Jewish State, with thanks to the Embassy in London. From Great Britain via Israel to the world, this is Johnny Gould's Jewish State. Tell your friends, spread the word, and subscribe now. Rockets continue to be fired towards Israel, a barrage of rockets towards Israel, unfortunately leading to uh, two Israeli fatalities, civilian fatalities in Israel, in southern Israel, in an uh, agricultural area, rural area in the uh, Gaza envelope. Uh, as well as that, uh, additional Israelis wounded, directly a result of rocket fire from Gaza. Rockets fired at Israel from all parts of the Gaza Strip, from the north, the center, and the south, the majority being fired from the north. Out of those rockets fired, approximately between 450 and 500 of those rockets that were fired by 
Hamas and Islamic Jihad, uh, 450 or 500 fell short inside the Gaza Strip, uh, causing casualties inside uh, the Gaza Strip. Fortunately, we are still happy to um, uh, confirm that the Iron Dome uh, continues to intercept at 90% successful interception rate. That is absolutely strategic and of utmost importance. You can imagine the situation had it not, uh, or the situation of casualties in Israel, had it not been for uh, those, uh, that successful uh, interception rate. Um, the main effort of the IDF, other than uh, of obviously defending uh, civilians on the ground against uh, various attempts by, uh, by Hamas to uh, launch attacks uh, in the air using the Iron Dome and in all other domains, including at sea. Other than the defensive effort, we are, of course, conducting uh, quite an extensive offensive effort as well. Our aim is to degrade Hamas's military capabilities. And I want to address pictures that I'm sure many of you have either seen or broadcasted yourself uh, of events uh, and pictures coming out of Gaza. Some of them are uh, not easy to watch and they're disturbing and there's lots of uh, damage to infrastructure. I want to explain them and I want to explain what the military target is that we are aspiring to, uh, to inflict damage on. Uh, Hamas has spent many years, at least five, but uh, probably more than that, in enhancing or digging and enhancing and eventually creating an underground network referred casually to as the metro, but that's a bit of a misnomer because the metro usually in, modern, in other countries serves civilians. This Hamas metro, it serves only the militants, only the terrorists of Hamas, and it's really at the center of Hamas's doctrine and its concept of operations. The underground network is what facilitates Hamas's military activities. That is where the operators, the operatives seek uh, shelter. That is how they hide from IDF, uh, from IDF uh, reach. That is how they move from one location to the other. That is how they control and manage the operations. That is how they supply their operations. That is how they provide the rockets to the rocket launchers, which fire uh, towards Israel. In short, it's really the backbone of Hamas's system uh, and hence its importance. We've been uh, attacking that system uh, from the air, obviously, trying to hit the infrastructure, which is underground, obviously under civilian infrastructure. And we've been trying to hit it at locations that have the least impact on civilian infrastructure, and most importantly, life. But of course, you see lots of damage. Why? Because we have struck most of the areas of the metro network that we've struck is under roads. Obviously, when there's a choice whether to uh, strike infrastructure under houses, directly under houses or under a road. We prefer to strike the road since uh, the obvious uh, adverse effects of, of uh, striking a populated house in Gaza. That uh, is an uh, effort that has been ongoing. We continue with that effort and we will continue. And the uh, assessment is that that effort will be expanded to areas that we so far have not conducted this effort in. Hamas tried to uh, launch uh, quite an important attack using a submersible uh, naval vessel, which they tried to launch at sea, uh, obviously with a military target. 
we were able to intercept it through advance warning intelligence and a good cooperation with the between the navy and different fire air assets the air force and eventually they were able to strike that uh, submersible vehicle before the naval unit of hamas was able to deploy it and we were also able to strike the operators as they were trying to uh, disengage from the area so that was a successful thwarting of another attempt by Hamas to execute a what we call a special attack. In addition to that, a senior Palestinian Islamic Jihad uh, military commander was targeted successfully. He was the commander of the northern uh, Gaza region uh, in the Islamic Jihad, uh, and, uh, and uh, he will no longer continue to, uh, uh, to operate against, uh, against Israel. We have uh, been able to strike a number of uh, anti, uh, a number of rocket crews that have been trying to fire rockets at uh, at Israel, and uh, what we are uh, continuing to do uh, is uh, most of the fire uh, was focused on the uh, Rimal neighborhood, where Hamas has extensive infrastructure hidden underneath the civilian infrastructure, and hence our uh, uh, operations there. I'd like to say a general, uh, uh, not a statement, but, but generally refer to the issue of non-combatants. We, have, we assess uh, based on different sources, both civilian and intel sources, that the number of enemy combatants that we have been able to kill is 130. That is the lowest, uh, the most conservative figure it is likely that the figure is higher, but uh, that is the lowest conservative uh, number uh, of any combatants, Hamas and Islamic Jihad together. That is without taking into account the amount of uh, terrorists that might have died in our first uh, strike on the underground infrastructure uh, in uh, the northeastern part of the Gaza Strip. As long as rocket fire continues, it is very clear from an IDF point of view, and maybe the Ministry of Foreign Affairs can update uh, on the national uh, uh, diplomatic level, but from an IDF point of view, as long as Hamas and Islamic Jihad are firing rockets at our civilians, the topic of any de-escalation is obviously not uh, on the table. And uh, we continue to, uh, to operate and to prepare for various scenarios, uh, not looking to escalate the situation, but of course, responding to the fact that our civilians are uh, held hostage by a terrorist organization, I think it is the very basic expectation of a military, of a, of, of a sovereign state to defend its citizens, to defend its sovereignty. That's what we're doing. We're doing it by various means, both by using the world's most advanced weapon system. And I've heard uh, claims and jokes and opinion uh, papers written and spoken about, well, you have the Iron Dome, so it's okay that rockets are fired at you. So no, we don't need to uh, uh, apologize for having uh, a great uh, system that defends our civilians. We spent money and effort and time in developing it because the lives of our civilians is imp are important. Uh, and as such, uh, priorities on the other side are, are probably just the opposite. Uh, money goes to producing rockets, uh, tunnels and underneath the, and, and the tunnel networks underneath the cities, which do not serve the good purposes of the population, but only serve mi the military and hostile or offensive purposes of, uh, of Hamas.
Our emphasis is to engage with the enemy, with, with enemy combatants, and to degrade enemy capabilities, various types of capabilities. We try to degrade their R&D capabilities, and so far we have been very successful at degrading Hamas's rocket and R&D capabilities, and they will have a significant challenge in the future uh, developing uh, rockets that they are firing now. We have been hunting terrorist senior operatives and we've been successful in striking a sizable amount of senior operatives, part of the general staff of Hamas, but not limited to them only. We have been striking infrastructure targets, the tunnels, etc. We've been striking rocket launchers all over the Gaza Strip, so far with limited success, but we are uh, getting better at locating the rocket launchers and immediately closing what we call cir uh, circuits of fire. That means uh, a spotting device that sees where the rocket is fired from and then a, an attacking device uh, that engages with the target and uh, dis uh, disables it. We've done that successfully more and more, specifically with the multi-barrel systems that uh, Hamas has uh, dispersed all over the Gaza Strip. We have uh, struck the uh, storage facilities uh, of Hamas and the Islamic Jihad, mostly for rockets. And as I said, the uh, so-called Metro uh, underground system. Uh, however, we focus on militants, on enemy combatants. We try our best not to strike civilians. We try our best to avoid civilian casualties. And this I uh, want to make abundantly clear. Our aim is not to uh, adversely affect in any way civilians. We try to minimize the effect on civilians whenever we can, wherever feasible. We, uh, we take all precautions at our disposal and uh, we do a lot of preliminary assessment of military targets, trying to minimize collateral damage wherever possible, whenever feasible in terms of the uh, Israeli activities. But I'll leave it at that, and uh, we'll open it for a, uh, a few questions. Uh, two questions for Jonathan. Uh, you've said from the beginning that a high number of rockets have fallen short uh, and caused casualties within the Gaza Strip. Are you planning to release any proof of that other than your statements? That's question number one. Um, Question number two, you mentioned limited success in terms of stopping the rocket fire. Could you elaborate on the challenge? So uh, regarding uh, proof, um, uh, not specifically related to your question, but many times uh, journalists and civilians demand proof for this or that. Uh, that is not always uh, uh, feasible. And we're not the only military that, uh, uh, that operates in that way. There's various uh, sources and limitations. Uh, we will show examples of uh, rockets that were fired from within the Gaza Strip and landed short uh, inside the Gaza Strip. And regarding the challenge of, uh, of uh, rocket fire, listen, that's a challenge that we've been facing for 20 years. We just, or some in Israel, unfortunately, mostly those who live in southern Israel, just commemorated the sad milestone of 20 years of rocket and mortar fire towards Israeli civilians, specifically in southern Israel, Zderot, uh, and other communities nearby. And of course, uh, as time went by, uh, Ashkelon, Ashdod, Beersheba, and other cities in the south. Um, it is a, a significant military challenge. All militaries uh, face it in, in different capacities. 
Uh, and the challenge, the main part of the challenge lies in the fact that uh, all of the rocket infrastructure is embedded either within or directly close to civilian infrastructure. And it's very difficult to detect, even if we have a very good understanding of the whereabouts, the general location to strike the rocket launcher uh, before it launches is, is, uh, is challenging. And uh, it is something that we're constantly improving on, but still not have we still have not achieved the uh, end state. Of course, end state would be that the enemy has no ability to fire rockets at our civilians. We're not there yet. So we are degrading other supporting capabilities that uh, uh, support enemy operations. Yes, next question. There are uh, Palestinian NGOs that are working within the Gaza Strip that are publishing information about uh, missiles that were that were uh, that were launched from the Gaza Strip and uh, and uh, fell short within the Gaza Strip and caused uh, uh, casualties, death, including uh, kids. Uh, this is uh, I don't remember the name of the I think the Children Defense or something like that. If you want this information, please contact us and we'll give it to you. Those are NGOs working within the Gaza Strip, obviously, with the Palestinians. So we, uh, as uh, Jonathan said, we, we can't really uh, always give defense. defense for children. Sorry, that's the name of the organization. And uh, you, we can't really give. Thank you very much. It's Andrea Mitchell from NBC, sir. Um, uh, Lieutenant Colonel Conricus. Can you tell us whether or not you will be able to provide any more any information about the intelligence that was that you say was passed to the U.S. on what happened to the media tower and the uh, the claim that there were Hamas uh, military intelligence and R&D in that tower um, was that passed to CIA was that passed to anyone in the State Department, there have been, there's been a lot of confusion on the US side as to who received that and you know, what the credibility is. And can you also speak to the claims that with precision weaponry, why have there been so many misfires regarding civilian casualties if Israel has so many precision weapons? Okay, so the first one is a bit more straightforward. Uh, I can tell you that I know uh, that the information has been passed on at working levels. Uh, I'm not at liberty to say exactly by whom and to whom in the U.S., but I know for, for certain that it has been uh, uh, delivered by uh, uh, an Israeli representative to uh, his American counterparts, and it has happened, it obviously happened in the last, uh, uh, that's as a, uh, as specific as I can be. Unfortunately, I don't have more information than that. Second thing, the uh, precision, I mean, we, we haven't had uh, misfire events. We've had certain events where there have been uh, uh, civilian casualties, unfortunate, unintended civilian casualties that uh, uh, occurred uh, in a way that, uh, or as a result, an, an unexpected re result of some type of an attack. I'll give you one example, which uh, an unfortunate one. Uh, again, in the Rimal neighborhood, we uh, conducted extensive strikes on uh, the uh, uh, tunnel network. And in one of the many locations, in one of the dozens of locations where we 
bombed the, the tunnels, the metro tunnels. In one of the locations, the uh, tunnel, the military target collapsed, causing houses uh, near the tunnel, uh, the, the, the supporting uh, structure of the, those houses also collapsed and that caused uh, a, a large uh, amount of, of uh, civilian casualties which were not the aim uh, and uh, something that we uh, looked into, reviewed and are adjusting uh, the analysis and the ordinance used in the future. Uh, it's, it's not a totally um, mathematical exercise in, 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 in choosing the, the ordinance, etc. But bottom line, uh, that type of event, and I suppose that's what you were referring to, is something that we aspire to uh, to minimize and not to have at all. And we struck that same night, we struck, as I said, dozens of targets, and that was the only location where it happened. Uh, so it was uh, abnormal, uh, but uh, we, we looked into it and assessed, and we, we definitely hope, and we took active measures to make the chances of such an event in the future smaller. Yes, hi. Um, you said that the aim is to, uh, sorry, I should introduce myself, I'm from the BBC. You said the aim is to degrade uh, Hamas's military capabilities. So uh, does this mean that Israel's uh, concluded that it's, it can't destroy, destroy or it's not aiming to destroy uh, what Hamas and others in Gaza are capable of doing? Uh, no, degrading is the, 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 the type of action. Uh, and we haven't said publicly uh, how much we are aspiring to degrade, but obviously we want to degrade as much as possible of Hamas's military capabilities uh, that threat threaten Israeli civilians. So uh, so, uh, the fact that we say that we intend to degrade military capabilities, the purpose of that is one, to clarify to anybody who harbors other uh, views or understandings of our military activity, that's the focus, to degrade the capabilities of Hamas and the Islamic Jihad so that in the future they will pose less of a threat against Israeli civilians. And uh, we haven't said, you know, we, we've reached, I think, very good levels of um, uh, impact on enemy capabilities in terms of R&D. We're happy with the, uh, uh, with the level there, but there is still a lot of work to do in terms of their underground infrastructure and in terms of the capacity to fire rockets. At this stage, still, unfortunately, if Hamas decides to uh, fire rockets at uh, Tel Aviv, unfortunately, they still have the capacity to do so, both in terms of launchers and in terms of rockets and uh, the general supply system that supports it. Hi there. Um, I wanted to ask, in the past, Palestinian casualty and death figures have been proven to be quite inaccurate, but usually long after the operation concludes. Sorry, I was asking, can you give any real-time figures from the Israeli side uh, of how many deaths, especially of minors, you're aware of in the Gaza Strip that might be more accurate than those given by the Gaza Health Ministry? Yeah, so I've said in the past, I think it was yesterday, that uh, we, have, uh, we have our doubts as to the veracity of information by the Gaza Health Ministry. This is based on past experiences in 2014, uh, specifically, but also before that, where we know of specific efforts to inflate the number of so-called civilian casualties and to minimize or otherwise make disappear the number of combatants aged 20 to 30, males, uh, and to list as many injuries and deaths as possible to uh, 
uh, even uh, things that aren't related to Israel to tag them as Israeli. So uh, that, is, that is definitely something that we are aware of. Uh, we're analyzing the, the numbers and it takes time. Uh, as you said correctly, last uh, confrontation, 2014, I think our intelligence units were able to cross-reference and verify all of the casualties. It took a lot of time and we found discrepancies and we made them public. I don't remember exactly the percentage. We're looking into the uh, information, the, the, the information made official uh, by the Gaza Health Ministry now. Uh, and uh, we've started to cross-reference and verify. I think one very uh, one of the clearest examples uh, would be on the first night of fighting when rockets were fired from Gaza towards, uh, towards Israel. And one of the rockets, according to what we understand, landed short in uh, Beit Hanun, northern Gaza, and uh, caused, uh, the, uh, struck a house and caused the death of uh, caused a significant amount of casualties, uh, uh, almost an entire family. Uh, Hamas was very quick to blame Israel for it, but uh, it took some time. And then also Palestinian, there's a few uh, very brave, and I say that without cynicism, uh, Palestinian civil rights or social, civil society organizations that tweeted about it and said, this was a rocket fired from uh, Hamas. This wasn't an Israeli attack. Uh, and I hope that uh, they're well after that uh, brave statement. Uh, usually people who either speak up against Hamas or take pictures against Hamas, uh, they don't uh, fare well in Gaza. Uh, probably that's also one of the same reasons why we don't see many pictures of armed Hamas personnel uh, during fighting. For some reason, they all disappear and there's no pictures in uh, Western media, no agencies picture uh, uh, uniformed men. And for some odd reasons, we don't see uh, rockets being fired from uh, all of the civilian areas in the media either. Uh, but um, that's just an observation. Um, there were some uh, reports from the United Nations about six hospitals that were damaged and nine primary healthcare centers damaged in Gaza. Um, I know, as you've said many times, that uh, you are targeting military targets and not civilians and not civilian buildings, but I was wondering if uh, there are any, is there, is there any information you have of what happened? Is there any uh, special precautions you've taken when targeting other targets nearby healthcare facilities? Obviously, yes, healthcare facilities, uh, mosques, schools, hospitals, um, infrastructure, uh, water and electricity, they are all um, loaded into our system and they are marked as sensitive infrastructure that uh, must not be uh, targeted and must not be affected by uh, our, uh, our fire. Um, and that's in general, and that's, I've, I've seen it many times myself, the way it's... Uh, um, the way it's um, input in, into our systems, both of, of the Air Force and the, and the operations. Um, everybody who has any type of kinetic uh, capability, uh, they have that same layer of, uh, of uh, sensitive uh, facilities. Um, so yes, obviously we take precautions. Categorically, I can say, of course, we try to, to minimize any damage to, uh, uh, to any sensitive facilities and to civilians in general. Uh, thanks very much, Kim Dozier from Time. Uh, Jonathan, I wanted to just 
nail down some numbers. It's been reported um, anonymously sourced that you thought the arsenal in Hamas's possession is more than 12,000. And um, can you give us a confirmation of that 12,000 figure? And how many do you think are remaining that uh, I assume the IDF would like to see destroyed to buy time, at least a couple of years is what you mentioned on the last briefing. So the number is um, close enough to our estimate. It's not uh, too far. It, it, like everything in life, it, it depends a bit how you count, but there are, that's the approximate amount of rockets and mortars that are in the Gaza Strip, uh, Hamas and Islamic Jihad combined. Um, 12,000-ish. Yeah, uh, around that number. Um, so that's why I said that if Hamas still wants to go down the road of continuing uh, to fire rockets and, and uh, suffer the consequences of that, then they still have the ability to do so. They still have enough rockets uh, to fire, uh, and, uh, and they unfortunately still have the uh, rocket launcher. So uh, that's the estimate. And of course, yes, it, uh, it's very difficult to, uh, um, to degrade all of those rockets and, and to uh, uh, in, interdict or, or, or otherwise uh, destroy them. Uh, they are very dispersed. Hamas has been wise in dispersing its uh, infrastructure and there is no main hub of, or storage facility where Hamas houses all of its rockets. There's many, many, many places, all of them underneath civilian uh, facilities, almost all of them underground. The few that were above ground, we've uh, attacked and uh, struck already successfully. So there's a lot underground in that uh, same uh, tunnel network that we've uh, spoken about. So uh, before I leave you, just the last word, uh, hopefully uh, some kind of positive uh, outcome uh, or solution may come and we don't know in the IDF. Uh, from our perspective, we continue to operate as long as they fire rockets at us. We obviously are uh, totally compelled and committed to continue to, to defend our civilians. Uh, thankful of the Iron Dome and its amazing interception rate of more than 90%. Uh, last thing that I didn't say, um, the pace of or maybe I spoke about it, but the pace of rockets is the highest that we've faced uh, in, uh, in our history, uh, in terms of the amount of rockets faced over a short period of time. I just wanted to reiterate that. Thank you very much. Good afternoon, uh, ladies and gentlemen, and everybody who's on, who's on this uh, security briefing at the moment. Um, in terms of the Israeli National Police and its activities across the country, as well as, 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 well as down south, is continuing its activities and operations uh, across the country at the same time as the IDF, IDF is uh, working and continuing around the area of the Gaza Strip and dealing with the threats and ongoing threats of the Hamas. The implications of the rockets that are being fired into Israel we're seeing throughout the southern region where the majority of strikes were in the area of around the Ashdod, Ash, Ashkelon area and around the Gaza Strip more or less at the closer ranges. Unfortunately, unfortunately which resulted also in the death of uh, two local Thailand workers and uh, a further five being taken to hospital after the sirens went off, but unfortunately they were injured as well as being killed at the scene. Our units responded in the area and examined the type of rocket that had landed. 
In and around the area of Tel Aviv, uh, Rishon Zion, south of Tel Aviv, our police units are continuing to patrol, are continuing to be on standby for the possibility of rockets that can affect the central region as well. That's something based on the assessments that we've understand with the IDF. There is still a realistic uh, situation where those rockets can land and uh, the sirens will continue to go off in the area of Tel Aviv. So we're continuing to focus and make sure that we have enough units mobilized in the different areas. At the same time, we've uh, carried out a number of security assessments with the leaders and the mayors of the cities to make sure that the message is continuing to get across to the public about going into the safe zones and safe areas. And we know how absolutely critical it is due to the fact that the Iron Dome is carrying out tremendous work and is succeeding in uh, taking down the majority of rockets that are aimed in the uh, populated areas. But we do understand and we do know that if 120 rockets or over 50, 60 rockets are fired into those populated areas, there is still a percentage of rockets that will make their way through into those populated areas. And therefore, it's absolutely critical that people take their steps and actions and go into those safe zones and safe areas. That is what is saving lives. And uh, that is what we're focusing on in terms of what is happening around the Gaza Strip towards the Tel Aviv area to focus on making sure that we can uh, prevent and respond to incidents that are taking place based on the indications that we have and the intelligence that we have. We're seeing that there are still uh, ongoing disturbances and sporadic incidences that are taking place from the north in the Akko area, Wadi Ara in the central area. A number of demonstrations taking place in Jerusalem, also around the Sheikh Jarrah area. And what we understand is there is a slight shift from the Israeli Arab areas in the north now back to Jerusalem, which we weren't seeing. It's responded by using non-lethal weapons and dispersing a number of protests that were taking place both at the Damascus Gate as well as in the Sheikh Jarrah neighborhood. We're calling upon the uh, leaders also in Jerusalem and the different community members to calm the situation down as much as possible. With the uh, second major incident that happened in Batyam, which uh, was seen over social media as well, six suspects have been arrested for uh, also attacking an Israeli Arab man. And uh, our activities and investigations will continue in order to find further suspects. More than 1,050 suspects have been arrested across the country in just eight days of violence that have taken place. And uh, in terms of the number of people that have been killed in internal violence, we've seen that there was one Israeli man who passed away, unfortunately, he was beaten in the city of Lod. And also other developments that took place is on the uh, issue of the arrest that was also made in connection with the, um, with the man, as I said, who was uh, uh, killed. Three sus suspects that are still being held who are in connection with the first initial incident that happened in Lod when uh, one uh, Israeli Arab was shot and he was killed as well. So in general, I would say that uh, as, far as, you know, as far as we know, as far as we understand, heightened security is continuing. The festival of Shavuot, the Jewish festival, was relatively calm and relatively quiet. We're seeing an increase in incidents that have taken place with inside the Israeli Arab communities across the country that we've responded to. In the West Bank as well, there were a number of severe incidents that happened uh, a number of demonstrations which are on the uh, seam line of the Palestinian areas, near Ramallah, for example, where there were outbreaks of violence and not just uh, rocks and petrol bombs that were thrown at our uh, border police and IDF officers as well, but there was also a number of shooting incidents that have taken place. Um, 
There are also threats that we're receiving about the possibility of further terrorist attacks in and around Judea and Samaria. So no doubt, I think that uh, heightened security will continue there as well. But uh, I can confirm the situation is under control. There are enough officers and border police and tactical units that have been mobilized in all of the different areas. Number one, as I said, down south to be ready to respond to rockets that could be fired. Number two, to deal with the problems and ongoing incidents that have erupted between the Israeli Arab community. And third of all, in joint coordination with the IDF, our units are mobilized to respond to further incidents that could take place in and around the different areas of the West Bank. Hi there, Mickey. It's Rohit Katru from ITV News. Um, you touched on it there um, briefly, but I wondered if you could say more about um, the events in Ramallah. Um, um, uh, the uh, the IDF say that two soldiers were injured mm. by gunfire during some unrest. What more can you tell us about what happened there and about the police involvement there? Thanks a lot. Yes. Yes. In general, first of all, the IDF are in charge and responsible for the situation around the West Bank Palestinian areas. There were IDF personnel that were there. And during a demonstration, which we normally deal with uh, almost on a daily basis, where it can be tens of people or hundreds of people or even thousands of people, what took place is that shots were also fired from within inside the uh, area of those that have gathered. And uh, that is something that hasn't happened for uh, a long time. So there is no doubt uh, an increase in the level of violence. And uh, we're hoping that uh, the Palestinian security circles will take control of the situation and prevent future incidents such as that from taking place. But in general, in and around the areas where we're seeing that there are demonstrations, our units, IDF as well, border police, they're there, they're on site. They're responding according to the level of violence. When petrol bombs are thrown, we use stun grenades. And uh, if anything more major happens, then we react and re re uh, react and respond according to the level of violence and the threats that take place. Mickey, I was asking about Sheikh Shara. Um, you said in your statement earlier that there were people calling for incitement to terror. All I heard while I was in Sheikh Shara was people calling for freedom in a chance. So do you know exactly what they were saying? And First of all, Okay. I the second part of the question is that I witnessed police firing rubber bullets at um, unarmed civilians who were standing dozens of meters away. So if you could just clarify the police approach to proportional use of force. Thank you. First of all, the Israeli National Police uh, are located in all of the different areas and we confirm that. We are seeing a shift in the demonstrations. We're seeing demonstrations in Haifa. And in connection with uh, what you asked about Sheikh Jarrah, Police units as well as undercover units were in and around the different area. We know what is, uh, what is planned. We know what is scheduled to go down. We responded and reacted. Our units don't use uh, rubber bullets in any way whatsoever. Our officers, if necessary, they do respond with non-lethal weapons. And that means police mounted on horses. Uh, our units as well use stun grenades in order to disperse and prevent injuries from both of our officers as well as those that are protesting. Um, and when petrol bombs are thrown at our officers directly, as we've seen in the different neighborhoods in Jerusalem, they respond only by using a soft sponge bullet, it's called, which is a non-lethal weapon, which has been used for many years and does not cause damage when it's only used at a certain range. So we're taking all necessary steps in order to make sure that, number one, our police units are in and around the areas. We want to prevent any major incidents from happening between the individuals, the family, both Jewish as well as Israeli Arab families that are living very close, in fact, not just neighborhood to neighborhood, but they're living uh, literally apartment to apartment, literally door to door. And therefore, it's absolutely critical 
that our offices are located there. After, let's not forget, terrorist attack at the entrance of Sheikh Jarrah, which just goes and indicates how much of a danger there is to our offices. There were uh, concrete blocks that were put up in the area for our own personal safety of our offices. Um, luckily, nobody was killed. So the tensions, I would say, are relatively high and our units will continue to be focusing on Sheikh Jarrah. We are asking those that want to come and demonstrate in a, uh, in a quiet and a respectable and a law-abiding manner. They are allowed to do that as they've done and are doing in any other area of Jerusalem as well. If it's coordinated with the Israeli police, then our police officers will be there. But if there'll be illegal demonstrations and incitement and individuals that are attacking either families or police officers, any law enforcement around the world will respond and then you want to make sure that they get the tensions. Hi, Mickey. Thank you very much. Um, could you, uh, of the number of suspects you arrested, how many of them were Jewish and how many were Arab citizens of Israel? Could you give us Yes, I, I won't go into specific numbers, but I can tell you that the uh, majority of people that were arrested were Israeli Arabs, and I'm talking about uh, more than three quarters. That's the approximate number on a national level. But uh, police have been arresting anyone who has been involved in incitement or anyone who has been involved in taking on the streets. Our units arrest those individuals immediately, no differentiation whatsoever between a Jewish man who wants to retaliate or Israeli Arabs that are taking on the streets and trying to attack uh, police officers or women or children or families. There's no differentiation whatsoever in terms of police activities. I can also tell you that we're using technology uh, we've added drones that we're using around different areas to cover geographically and have the indications of who is taking to the streets and when, as well as in and around the area of Lod, because the situation is very complicated and even somewhat claustrophobic with inside the neighborhoods. It's absolutely necessary to have an overall perspective and view from the air as well. And that we're doing so by using drones to see who are in the gardens, who are in the outer areas, who are in between the buildings. And that is to prevent... Uh, major incidents from happening there as well. We're also, and that's an important emphasis, trying to pick up and find weapons. We are searching house to house based on indications that we have based on intelligence, and we're going to continue do, to do so. Yes, sorry, I'm just going to go back to the instance in the West Bank, if I may. Um, there were shots fired, um, uh, you say, from within the uh, prote protesters, and two IDF soldiers were killed. Sorry, so we're injured. No, I never said killed. I never In, said injured. Killed. Injured. So no, no. Sorry, my fault. Injured. Uh, but we've also seen reports that one Palestinian man was killed, and several more, perhaps sixteen, were injured by um, by by bullets and uh, perhaps other things as well. Uh, did did that return fire come from the IDF, uh, or is the is the suggestion that they were all injured by the firing from within the Palestinian side, so to speak. Was there return IDF fire? All, all I can confirm as the police spokesman is not the IDF spokesman, and you'll have to speak to Jonathan sure. personally about that and ask him. But the details I understand and what we know, because the uh, soldiers were taken to Shari Tzedek Hospital and treated there, is that two officers were shot. That type of incident we haven't seen uh, over the last least where there is a protest, which can be the level of violence that we deal with and the level of uh, uh, attacks that we deal with has been until now on the level of petrol bombs and even we've seen pipe bombs that we used. Um, but uh, from in and around areas where there is a protest and the protesters know that there are IDF officers and border police officers that are standing in front of them several hundred meters away. 
in order to respond if necessary, and then shots being fired, live ammunition. I'm not talking about 556 bullets, but 7, 772. We're talking about, obviously, from uh, either Kalach weapons. That is something that we haven't seen in a, in a long time. And uh, it's tremendously important that we respond accordingly and contain those incidents. We, of course, want there to be a minimum amount of incidents that will take place. But we know there are dangers to our officers. We know those are the friction areas. We know they are the uh, flashpoints as well. And uh, we're working closely together, both the Israeli police, border police and IDF. If you like Johnny's regular podcasts, think about making a donation at either patreon.com slash Johnny Gould or click on the PayPal icon on the donations page at jewishstate.co.uk or buy him a coffee. He loves coffee at coffee.com slash Johnny Gould. That's ko-fi.com slash Johnny Gould.